whether you eat or drink. Whatever you do. 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 Or whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Welcome to Whatever You Do. I'm Danny. And I'm Abby. We're just best friends trying to figure out how to bring glory to God in whatever you do. Today, on this episode number two, we want to talk to you a little bit about what our history has been as friends and neighbors, how God brought us to be um, next door neighbors, and the journey God has brought us through um, a variety of different births and those experiences. We think that it's important to give you guys a little bit of a background so that you know where we're coming from as you listen to us having discussions. Um, There's going to be times that things come up as we're talking that might not make a lot of sense if you don't understand our friendship and history. So yeah, I think we just want to jump into that. So let's see, we have known each other now for pretty much exactly five years. Yep. Um, We met kind of through a mutual friend facebook but i had been abby's oldest daughter's sunday school teacher also in her two-year-old class at the church we were attending at the time but we had never met right your husband was the one that always dropped her off Mm -hmm. and picked her up so and i wondered if he was her dad or her older brother because your husband looks really young yes he does (laughs) so when i did finally see you i figured out well that must apparently must be her dad because <laughs> that lady looks too young to be his mom so it must be his wife yeah we get that a lot yeah mm-hmm. so um another friend had posted a thing on facebook and i saw it and i thought oh i know that family and it was an announcement a pregnancy announcement of my third baby so i thought, oh my goodness, she's having a third baby really close together to her other two, and I know how hard that is, so... And I remember your message to me clear as day, where I was sitting in my house, and I remember reading this message from you, and you had just had, was it... My sixth. Your sixth baby. Mm -hmm. And you were messaging me, saying, like, just wanted you to know how hard... I know how hard it is if you have, like, morning sickness or anything like that, so if you need me to bring you a meal, and I look at your profile, and you would have had, like your baby like weeks before and I'm like this lady is offering to bring me a meal (laughs) because I might be morning sick and you just had a baby but yeah that's what brought us together initially and then we hung out you came over with your kids Mm -hmm. and at the time I was doing a lot of doula work and you had just had your sixth baby and that was a, a turn in your births. Yes, that was probably one of my bigger shifts of processing and kind of changing how I viewed everything. And so having a doula who I knew would listen to me about birth things mm-hmm. because I knew you cared was definitely, I wanted to pick your brain and talk to you. So we had a really good conversation mm-hmm. and we sort of just clicked instantly and knew we were going to be friends. Yeah. And, but then it was probably, I mean, weeks later before we actually saw each other again, I think we kept in touch through Facebook messages and 
texting and... And eventually we started going to the same church again. Um, and... Yeah, that was probably after we had developed our... Fr- we Miracle of miracles. We had a family hangout time and our husbands really liked each other too, which... which that is a very rare... Yes, so... That kind of kicked things off, and then you guys started coming to the church we had gone to, and we found ourselves hanging out as families more and more, Mm -hmm. and then... You texted me as a joke, saying that the house next door to you was for sale. Yes. And I remember seeing that as like, oh, that would be so crazy. If we ever could work that out. And this house was not we'll, good... We'll do an episode sometime where we talk about all the details of this and how God orchestrated, I mean, starting from months before oh, yeah. details that had to be in place for this to all work out. But it was pretty incredible and insane. And so... Yeah. The house needed a pretty much complete remodel. Yes. And God provided in a lot of ways to make and was very evident that this is what we were supposed to do. So for the past two years, yep. just over two years now, Abby has lived right next door to me and yep. our kids are best friends. Mm-hmm. Our husbands are inside Abby's house hanging out right now. Mm-hmm. They don't mind when we record podcasts because then they get hangout time. (laughs) Um, And it's just been a lot of fun. Really, really different experience than I think so many people ever get to have where we have the level of friendship that we trust each other completely. We're also not afraid to ask each other hard questions and pry and kind of play devil's advocate in some aspects towards we don't have to agree on everything Mm -hmm. we can very openly say well i completely disagree with you about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) and still love each other and get along obviously we do agree on a lot which helps to make our friendship work so well but yeah it's just been a really really neat two years the first year We kind of intentionally did a lot of our meals together. Almost, almost every lunch and dinner. Yes, it was a lot of togetherness. Um, And it was great, but we did decide at the end of that first year, okay, we actually need to have our own family unit still (laughs) because I think our kids were starting to get confused of Uh, who, yes, who their parents were because there were so many. We were together all the time. Adults around that they saw as authority figures. And so we were like, well, we need to step back a little bit and we need to be our kids' mom and dad and you need to be your kids' mom and dad. We still do. That sounds a little bit worse than I think it really was. It wasn't really that that extreme, but we were together a lot. And we still do probably one meal a day-ish. Yeah. Six meals a week probably together. We for sure do... Four dinners a week together, sometimes five, sometimes six, and then we'll do an occasional lunch or two. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so. So that gives us lots of time to 
be able to kind of sit and talk about different things that we're thinking through and processing through and yeah um being right next door to each other it's easy to run over to each other's house and work out together Mm -hmm. or meal prep together or I've even I've even taken baskets of laundry on my stroller and (laughs) strolled them over to Abby's to fold my laundry at her house instead of at my house so that we can sit and talk while we do chores like that which is such a blessing and just really really neat that we have the opportunity that we do that we know so many don't have so that's a little bit about how good of friends we are as you listen to this just so that you know how often we are in each other's lives it's like from if we don't talk to each other in a day it's really strange really really strange if we don't Mm -hmm. have some form of communication um, whether that's texting or something Um, so we know each other pretty well yeah Um, so we don't shy away from the hard conversations with each other so hopefully you guys are going to get to hear some of those hard conversations and a lot of times we'll probably be on the same page, but there might be times we really aren't yeah. and or that we are trying to figure it out. And so we're really challenging each other. So that's a little bit about our friendship. And so let's uh, talk a little bit more about our births and where we're coming from with that. So tell me, Danny, where where things shifted for you the most in all seven of your births. So you have eight kids, but seven births. Where was the biggest shift? I think, I think first of all, I want to say that we need to reiterate again that when we are talking about shifting from one philosophy in birth to another philosophy in birth, we are not saying that one way is right and one way is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in my experience, it's much more at what point did I start really taking these decisions seriously in the sense of understanding my responsibility in the decisions mm-hmm. and that there were options and not just one way of doing things. Um, I honestly don't think... I started to really understand my responsibility in things until after my sixth birth, which was my home birth, my first home mm-hmm. birth, I think, which which is a little bit surprising because you would think that it would have been before my first home birth. Mm-hmm. You would think that, oh, she had five hospital births and then she really changed and then she decided to have a home birth and there were aspects of of change that were going on that brought me to having that home birth but it was really after that home birth that I started to understand the implications of my decisions and how those decisions can carry out into parenting Mm -hmm. 
as a whole and um, that it was about more than just deciding where I'm giving birth or who's there or whatever. I think a big thing for you, it seemed like through our discussions was responsibility. Yes. Of who carried the weight of responsibility for the birth and the decisions. And I think even now it's, it's become so much clearer to me that there are ways to give birth in which you are carrying the, the weight of the responsibility primarily yourself. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to give birth where you essentially give the weight of responsibility over to others. There's all varying degrees in between. Mm-hmm. And, but the, the thing that I think a lot of people miss and that I missed for a long time is that when you give that responsibility over to other people you are still responsible for that decision. Right. So when you hire an OB and you decide to do everything that they want you to do, you are still responsible for making the decision to hire that OB and to follow what they're saying. Yes. So that can be kind of hard to grasp, I think, sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, when When you do give the responsibility away and you don't feel the weight of the responsibility and now you're more passive and you're more, well, I just do... What they tell me what to do. What they tell me to do. And that can be with an OB. That can be with a midwife. That's not That's not just in one system. That's not just mm-hmm. in one way, um, which is why I think that my shift didn't happen until after my home birth with my midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, because essentially, I had still, I was still allowing and giving the responsibility to someone else. And I think that that's totally okay to do. I think that that's something that a lot of, I think for most women, that's something that's almost necessary to do Mm -hmm. during pregnancy and birth because... To some degree. To some degree, yes. Um, And for some people, it's going to be to a large degree Mm -hmm. because of where they're at and their circumstances and Mm -hmm. just where where they're at with what they know and what they're comfortable with and what their husbands are comfortable with. And there's, yeah. um, I mean, just life circumstances can really play a huge mm-hmm. part in, into making those decisions. Um, so yeah, so I had five hospital births and I, I did start out. My first hospital birth was very much, I don't want to feel anything. I don't want, I'm afraid of the pain. I'm afraid of this process, Mm -hmm. but I really don't want a C-section because I don't want to have to recover from surgery. And, um, so I wanted an epidural as quickly as they would give me one. And, um, over the next few births, I had epidurals again, and then it was my fourth birth was my first birth that I decided that the risks of the epidural for me outweighed the benefits um, for that birth. I wasn't 100% confident going into it that I wouldn't ask for an epidural or get one, Mm -hmm. but I knew that there were enough risks to it that personally I wasn't wanting, I was wanting to try to avoid it. Mm -hmm. And I did avoid an epidural with that birth and... um, 
So then my fifth birth at the hospital also was an unmedicated birth. And um, then my sixth birth was my first home birth with the midwife. And then um, my seventh birth was also a home birth. And I had a midwife for all of my prenatal care and postpartum care. Um, But I chose not to call her essentially soon enough. It was intentional, but also I wanted that option to call her at any point. I, I didn't I didn't know for sure I wasn't going to call her, but it was sort of a, I don't think I'm going to call her right away, yeah. and I'm going to see how things are going. And then my baby was born quickly enough that I didn't call her. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and you? I've had a different journey, but God has... You know, brought up different things for me after every birth and revealed just sin in my own heart on how I view and idolize different things. My first birth was um, with a midwife in a hospital. I um, ended up getting induced and that led to a C-section. Um, after that birth, though, I very much felt like I didn't make super great choices. Um, and I think part of me wanted to blame it on the system of the hospital and going that route, even though a lot of it was my own heart and my own desire to be. Would you say that you recognized that very quickly or is that something that has been revealed more and more over, I feel like even, even in the last year, I yes. feel like there's been responsibility you've taken over some of those choices that maybe... Yes. At the time, I felt like I immediately blamed the system, the midwife group that I used, the hospital, that si- and just the whole like system of how they did things. I blamed that as the reason for my C-section instead of owning the fact that I frankly, was really impatient and was begging to be induced. Mm-hmm. And my body wasn't ready. And, and there were opportunities along the way that you could have, you you had the authority over your yes. body to stand up and say, I don't want to follow the system. Mm-hmm. I even remember in the labor when I was being induced, when things weren't progressing well, my midwife was phenomenal. And the fact that like, she came in and was like, well, we can shut everything off and you can go home. And I was like, What? no, like I'm done. Like I've mentally checked out of this pregnancy. And so ultimately that led to a C-section. Um, and, but at the time I very much felt like I just needed to go the opposite end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. because it was that system and that end of the spectrum that led to me having to have a C-section. So in order to not go that route, you know, I immediately when my first baby was a couple months old, started doing doula training, um, got my doula doula certification. And when I got pregnant with my second baby, I started planning a home birth. Um, And that birth definitely revealed new sin of idolizing a specific experience and idolizing um, wanting to, quote unquote, do it the right way with a home birth. And God graciously allowed me to have that baby at home um, after a really, really challenging labor. Um, 
but he was gracious to me in in that and preventing me from having another C-section. And but God definitely revealed a lot more ways in which my heart was still grievously sinning against God and how I was idolizing myself. Mm. Um, so uh, with my third pregnancy, I just started planning another home birth. We moved states. We moved from Illinois to Arizona. Um, so I started planning my uh, second home birth. Um, and it was about halfway through that home birth that God really... Through that pregnancy. Through, right. Yes, through that pregnancy that God really revealed to me, like, I don't think you're asking me if this is how you should be doing it. And ultimately... And let, it's not that you had this blatant, I'm not going to turn to God and ask no, him. No, no, It was definitely a more passive. You had just decided, well, this is the best way to do yes. it. This is the good way to do it. This yeah. is, I'm doing this to try to glorify God because you were mm-hmm. trying to turn from your sinfulness and yes. you had lived that out a certain way. And so you were trying to turn from the way you lived that out. Mm-hmm. But instead of really understanding the, the core heart issue of it, you just changed how you were applying birth until that point. And so yes. then God really convicted you. On the fact that my husband and I never prayed about if we should do a home birth. It just felt like, well, that's just what people should do. Um, and then it was about when I reached my third trimester or so that I started having some issues that God made it very clear that that wasn't what the plan we should do. And I ended up going to have a hospital birth, had, was able to have an unmedicated birth in the hospital. And um, then the my fourth and fifth birth were also um, home births. And God has changed and shifted a lot of my thinking. Really every single birth, I feel like he reveals new sin in me and new perspectives that have changed and new ways that he is growing me and teaching me and um ultimately my last birth my fifth baby was um born at home more of a unassisted not really unassisted route um in the I mean it was similar to your second in the sense that you had a traditional midwife yes so you did have prenatal care yep you did have a midwife attending you Mm -hmm. but they weren't recognized by the state as a midwife. As a yes. midwife, yes. so it wasn't all that different from your second, your mm-hmm. your home birth in Illinois, where yes. it was also a registered license. Do they even? They, they were have, just a professional midwife there, right? But yeah. Okay, but they just couldn't attend. Right. A professional midwife couldn't attend a VBAC, mm-hmm. and so you had found a traditional yep. midwife who was willing to attend. And in this time, I chose that route for this fifth baby because I just was like Danny starting to see more of how I have been giving away, you know, responsibility for some of the choices and just really felt like Tim and I um, needed to own and make more of those decisions and choices and felt like that was um, going to be most supported by the traditional midwife we hired. Right. I think one of the things we'll get into at different times is talking about how interesting it is that government wants to put regulation on birth Mm. because they want to keep moms and babies safe but in doing that it starts to limit choice 
and almost make it difficult to when you when you are a person who wants to take responsibility mm-hmm. and wants to learn and wants to be able to be the one to decide some of these things mm-hmm. it can inadvertently really limit that yes. and um you know we one of the things we are constantly trying to wade through is i mean i think for us we would say why does government think that this is their jurisdiction? Mm-hmm. Um, is it really appropriate that birth would be um, regulated by reg- the government? Yeah, regulated yeah. by the government. Um, so that's something that, you know, is one of those things we think about and where I think most people don't even think about it from that angle at all it's, and it's just not something expect, expected that you sh- that the government should be involved and they should and we need this regulation and this is keeping babies safe and this is keeping mom safe and to some degree that is true but on the other hand it may not always be true and so mm-hmm. it also ties the hands of people it ties the hands of licensed midwives who would make one decision based on their experience with a mom but they're forced to make a different decision mm-hmm. and handle it a different way because they don't want to go against what the state regulations are and they need to keep their license safe. And I experienced it with my OB in the hospital, mm-hmm. um, her telling me, well, you're not like everyone else and you did great giving birth that way, but we can't let you break the rules we have to have these rules for the other women and you have to go by them too essentially and you know it's just trying to figure out when when is it good to have these standards and rules that all people must abide by and you know this is definitely a topic that I don't feel settled at all on as far as like would I ever use a licensed midwife or would I always use an unlicensed midwife I feel like there's pros and cons to both I agree I mean and there's still the fact that would I ever go back to a hospital midwife or mm-hmm. an OB yeah and I think that's where that's where our life circumstances and mm-hmm. The just whatever is going on with your pregnancy. And really just ultimately surrendering these things and allowing God to lead you and your husband to make these choices. Absolutely. And not, and not just put fitting, it into a box. Yeah. That this is the way that it's supposed to be. Yes. But really understanding the implications as you make these decisions, how they can really impact your life and yes. your baby's life and mm-hmm. your family's life. And that there are ramifications and there are more than one way to do things and more than one way to do things safely and more than one way to do things to the glory of God and mm-hmm. it's going to look different ways to different people and back so. down to the principles and methods yes that we talked about in the, the first. first episode um, and so it's hard because when you there are methods like we've talked about that support certain principles better i think that it's it's hard to say that that some methods are better than other methods Mm -hmm. 
But if we can't acknowledge that, then we really have to, I mean, we just shouldn't even have these conversations. Yeah. If we can't acknowledge that there are better ways to do things than other ways Mm -hmm. and that there are... That doesn't mean that it's sin to do one way, one method or another method. Right. It's just you mean better, it's applying a principle better. Or that it's going to make, generally speaking, it's going to make things easier to apply the principle Mm -hmm. or it's going to help you avoid certain ramifications down the road, generally speaking. Yes. I think, sorry for all of my voice clearing, Um, I think that that's another thing that we will try to reiterate at times, but... uh, Remember how I was sick in the first episode? Well, I'm still, like, (laughs) having the residual of that, but... Um, what I was talking about was that there's generalities and then there are specific circumstances, specific situations. And so much of the time when you start to talk about in general, this is good. Yes. You always have the people who come back and say, but in this situation, blah, 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 blah. And that's why it would have been horrible. And it's like, well... Okay, in that specific situation, maybe it wouldn't have been good. But if we can't ever talk about things in general terms Mm -hmm. and say, I mean, it's like, I'll just go to this one, the breastfeeding, bottle feeding debate. Mm -hmm. If you can't acknowledge that generally speaking, the benefits of breastfeeding outweigh, are better than bottle feeding your baby I mean it's not saying that it's sin to feed your baby bottles it's not saying that there are circumstances where a baby would die if they didn't have bottles it's not saying that God doesn't bestow grace upon us through formula and bottles Mm -hmm. but we should still be able to acknowledge God created the body and created this process and created it to do it this way and that There are true benefits to being able to do it that way Mm -hmm. and that it's okay to grieve when it can't go that way. I think that's one of the things that we eliminate when we try to make these things equal. Yes, very much. Is, and it doesn't make it an easy decision. It doesn't make, when there are times of, I mean, all of you should know that Abby is... This topic is not something foreign to her. No. Breastfeeding is really, really challenging for her. It has Um, been every every time super challenging. Um, I feel like I have every issue in the book and struggle with it a lot. And this last time with my fifth baby really wrestled a lot with, should I even be attempting this? Or should we just skip over this part and I think that might be something you wrestle with again in the future. Yeah, definitely. And but I can still acknowledge that God created our bodies to, in a perfect world, be able to feed our babies through our breasts. And that I think breast milk is superior to formula. But and that's not- you've even experienced his faithfulness and his graciousness in your experiences. But that doesn't mean that 
that you may never choose because of whatever yes. the circumstances are to not give your baby yeah. bottles and formula and that that's okay. Yes. And that that's not, that's not something shameful. Right. But I can still grieve over the fact that my that I'm not able to give my baby what I know is the better option. Right. But it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't mean I'm in sin or wrong for choosing this other option because of whatever circumstance. Right. But in general, we should be able to acknowledge that breast milk is the better choice to right. make when you can. Right. And that sometimes it's really hard. And that sometimes other choices that you've made leading up to that point make it so that now it isn't possible to exclusively breastfeed my baby or breastfeed at all because I did things... I mean, that's even from the standpoint of, well, now I'm working and I chose to be working and my Mm -hmm. baby's away from me and I am trying to pump, but I'm not pumping enough and it's too hard for me to find donor milk and now I'm giving formula. And that's okay. Like, those things are okay. But it doesn't mean that we should just not talk about them and not... Or try to make it, try to make, pretend like formula is just as much as good for your baby as breast milk. Right. But also not saying that you're damaging your child forever. And that you're a horrible mom and that if you could just be mom enough to make breast milk work, which that is. If what it really comes down to with so many of these issues that we will talk about and that are hot topic issues is that when we really look at our lives all over the place we are making decisions and and making choices that are less than the perfect ideal standard Absolutely. on a daily basis because why Danny because sin yep has entered the world and made things and half the time we're still even trying to figure out exactly what it looks like what the perfect standard is like what mm-hmm. there so for so many of these things where there's gray areas you know we can acknowledge to a certain degree but then there are people that come up with a counter argument and it's like well you know i don't know like you think well organic food is the best because that's the form in which God initially created it. And then you have people who come in and say, well, but GMOs have created it and made it possible to feed this many more people or get food that Mm -hmm. is sustainable in this climate that it never would have been sustainable before. You know, there's arguments on both sides of things that don't This is where I feel like God gives us as individuals a conscience yes to be able to think through and process through and god convicts different people in different ways at times over these issues and the beauty of that is that as he does that he's doing it for his glory and for his work mm-hmm. and he knows exactly where we need to be but we can make different decisions yes based and we on can acknowledge that we maybe weren't seeking to honor God in mm-hmm. decisions we've made in the past and that we want to do that more fully in the future in different ways. And so anyway, I hope this has given you guys a little bit of a, an insight into kind of the whole 
flavor. <laughs> that was really cheesy. Um, but just what we're hoping to be able to portray through our podcast and the conversations we have that this isn't about promoting a certain thing, but at the same time, there are going to be a lot of times that we are, we are what feels like pushing a certain method or Mm -hmm. really, um, really dissecting what is right and what is wrong for where we're at. Yeah. And it's going to sound like we think that that's the best way for everyone all the time. And that's not always going to be the case. Right. But it might sound like that sometimes. And yeah. Um, this just should hopefully have also given you some insight into how analytical we can be. This is mm-hmm. just a, a little glimpse. I thought I used to be analytical. And then I met you and... The analyticalness is definitely... I'm a mix of being really analytical, but also being a super empathetic person. Yes. And the combination of that is... Exhausting. It's truly (laughs) exhausting. um, Because there's a lot of emotion. I really do feel for people... um, I don't think that these decisions are ones that are easy. Mm Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel people's emotions and Mm -hmm. really have a lot of compassion for people if they are willing to give me a chance to talk to them and let them know that. Um, So even if you see me and think, oh, she must just think this is the only way to do this or whatever, really, when you get to know me, I'm... I do want to try to figure it out. That is definitely a huge... I, I want to think it through. I want to mm-hmm. try to know what is best and what way we should do this and how all of it works. But I, I also very much understand that within that black and white, I can feel the gray mm-hmm. so strongly. Yes. So, yeah, that's a little bit about... What this is going to look like. So our our topics and conversations may very be all over the place and sporadic as we aren't planning on spending a lot of time planning out and prepping for this. So we apologize in advance and we are going to be we might record things and then sometimes put them up and then other times not. We've already done that. (laughs) Um, So we're trying not to completely waste your lives with complete, I don't know how you would word it, junk, junk episodes. But we also might be surprised what we even end up talking about most of the time. So, Mm -hmm. and we could jump straight in to birth things or we might not talk about birth at all so we do want to make it clear that that again I know we've said this like six times already but we are very interested in birth we attend people's births yes especially we, when we can together yes we really like that so we will be talking about it a lot so if you don't like to listen to things that 
relate to birth, then you this probably... This might not be a good podcast. Just move on now and we won't be offended <laughs> not at, at all. all. No. But, yeah. Thanks for joining us. That's a wrap. <laughs>